is going to test my ability to explain things. Um, this picks up after, remember we read about how John the Baptist got offended by Jesus and, and he sent people to Jesus to say, awful glittery, he sent people to Jesus to say, uh, are you the one? Because I'm in jail and you're not getting me out. So it's like, are you really who, who you know, I thought you were? Are you, you really the one that I was, I was talking about, that I've been talking about all this time? And Jesus' response was, don't be offended, John. Now you're offended. And so he says, blessed is anyone who, who I don't offend. But then he goes on to say a bunch of things that might be offensive. And so the, and we pick it up at, at chapter 11. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, chapter 11, verse 4. Here's Jesus' reply, which we read. I think we read it last week, but I'm going to move past it. And I'm just going to read the rest of this chapter the way I see the Bible, the way, the way it kind of comes to me, and, hope, and I'm kind of I'm loony, so I'm hoping I can explain it to you in a way that you'll get it. Come, Auntie, come on. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. Okay. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the and deaf And the hear. good news is proclaimed to the poor. And, I, and, I was looking, and, I, and, I, and so when I read the Bible, I slow down. I, I, I try to get a sense that every word is important. And he's, what he's saying here is everyone who can't pick their own selves up, the good news is preached to them. All right. He, and he goes, and it's a class of people that, the, that, the, that it's been proclaimed to, it, it's the poor. And so, and in that statement, what he's doing is he's actually speaking to the, to the class consciousness of people. He's saying that, you know, that most people who are uh, educated, uh, well-to-do, privileged, or even now, most people that are kind of middle class, they make enough to get by, they really believe they're self-made. I, I think about the difference, I've been to a lot of churches, and then me and Mike on the road, we're, sometimes we're in inner city, and sometimes we're, we're in more suburban settings. And I, and I noticed the difference. I noticed the difference in the church that we were raised up in mm -hmm. and then the way that we do church now. Mm -hmm. the, way that, the way that the difference is this. When you see a church more suburban, more everybody's kind of doing okay, they got problems and things like that, but, they, but they're, they're kind of okay. You know, I, I got friends that have churches in the suburbs and they, they, their offerings are great and people pull up in very nice cars and everything. And I'm not saying that that's their life. What I'm saying is they really get the sense that they're self-made. Uh -huh. I've figured this out, that if you work hard or you get education or if you write from the right family or the right background, you can succeed in life. So I need Jesus. I need the teachings of Jesus, not necessarily the miracles and the doctrine and all that stuff. I, I need... I need the concept of Jesus. I need, I need Jesus as an example. All right. And then you go more to the places where people don't have a lot of money and things. They lean more to the miracles of Jesus, to the, to the promises of God. To the, you see, see, it's this concept is that the people that are poor, they get it. They, believe, they totally believe in grace. They don't believe that they believe that you have to have some interference from God to be able to get all that stuff because they haven't been able to get it. 
He says the good news, here's the good news. You can have dignity. Someone loves you. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Hallelujah, somebody. Yes. He says, go tell John that the good news has been teach, taught to everyone who can't pull themselves up by themselves. Yes. Because all these class conscious people, because Jesus, I'm going to show you it later, he was in the suburbs. All right. And he was saying that, the, I'm speaking to the people who are class conscious. Uh, most people believe, especially people around here, they believe that they've accomplished things. And, and the poor know that. No, I believe it's grace. I believe you've been given breaks that has gotten you where you are. That you didn't just do this on your own. You needed some kind of door opened or some kind of favor for somebody. Or Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Or, or you might have been born in the right situation, in the right family at the right time. The poor understand that, no, you need intervention from God. He says, I've been giving this thing to the poor. The poor get it. Yes. Well to do, even middle class don't. I've been giving this thing to the poor, auntie. Yes. Go tell them the poor gets it. Not only that, the deaf, they get it. <laughs> Those who have leprosy get it. Those who were blind, they get it. Those that were lame, couldn't walk, they get it. Because of their bad circumstances they understand something they understand that it's not by luck it's not by chance it's not because you're necessarily raised in the right family it's all about grace from God yes some people go I'm doing pretty good in life and they and, it, and they say it like that I'm doing pretty good in life and then we forget that your life wouldn't be crap unless Jesus said so amen all right, all right. Amen. come on auntie Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. He says, uh, John, are you, are, you, are you offended? Blessed is somebody who don't stumble on account of me. Meaning don't get offended by what I'm saying here. And, and you get what I'm trying to say. I know what I'm saying is offensive, but you get it and you receive it. Don't stumble on account of me. Come on. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? So here's Jesus. He, he is his people, because everybody heard this conversation. And when they left, Jesus goes, okay, Jesus was in a mood now. <laughs> see, even though he was, he, imagine if somebody comes to you and goes, hey, I thought, you was, I thought you was something, but you're not. So Jesus goes, wow, go tell John that I was the same one who he didn't even want to baptize me. And he saw the spirit come and my father spoke. We gotta don't take away Jesus' manship. I know he was the son of God, but he also was the son of man. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. And so he's going, Jesus has got a a little attitude right now, and I would too. Alright? So he turns to everybody and says, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed sway by the wind? Come on, Auntie. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Yep, nope, that wasn't John the Baptist. Come on. No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Yep. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? You went out to see a prophet. Yes, I tell you. And John is more than a prophet. Jesus, see, John pricked something in Jesus, and Jesus got a little attitude. But Jesus caught it, and he goes, John is more than a prophet. Yes. Even though he's doubting me right now, I'm not going to badmouth him. Even though I'm a little ticked, I'm not going to jump on the wagon and defame John to all of you people now. 
It, I know Jesus had an attitude, but he, it's okay to get upset, but don't let sin set in. Hallelujah, somebody. That's right. So he starts to go into, uh, did you go in? See, you went out to see a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. Come on. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. He said, even though he's doubting me, I still don't doubt him. See, the Bible spoke about him. He's very important. The Bible said that the Isaiah spoke that John the Baptist would come and lead the way to Jesus. Jesus saying, this guy is that guy. I know you just heard what he said. I know you heard him say he don't believe me anymore. But he's that guy. That guy. How many of us would do that? Because somebody gets offended by me, especially when I haven't done nothing. I, I got a major attitude. And if you come and go, hey, what about Kurt? Kurt can kiss the natural crevices of my dark behind. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't even know. Marilyn, Marilyn. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it, but you do it too, so don't judge me. Right? You don't really want to, you don't mean them no harm, but it's kind of like, ugh, you don't. If you don't like me, I don't like you. That's how it works. But here's Jesus going, no, nope, he's that guy. Next verse. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And he goes on and says, listen, anybody, everyone who has been born of a woman, which everyone has, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. Nobody's greater than him. Mm -hmm. I am, because I was, he says, born of a woman. He says, born of a woman, nobody's greater than John the Baptist, because he paved the way for me. Yes. He, he was the first one who knew who I was. Hallelujah, somebody. He got revelation from God that I was coming. Yeah. All right? Auntie, what's the rest of that say, though? Yes, who, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater, is than, greater than John the Baptist? He says, yet who's ever least in the kingdom is greater than John. Yes. You just told me that he was the greatest guy that was ever born. <laughs> yes. But who's ever least in the kingdom, meaning this, whoever realizes that I am nothing is greater than John. Yes, yes, yes. Whoever realizes that my existence is totally based on the existence of God in my life. And then some will say, no, well, Kenan, I mean, I get that, but man, we can work. And, you know, and I see people out here who don't serve them and. And, you know, and they, some of them, you know, they're doing pretty good. It, it, see, you got to remember that you do have an adversary who's trying to trip you up. Everybody say amen. amen. And then also you have to understand, Satan blesses people too. Yes, he does. See, Satan will bless you if he knows blessing you will take you away from God. That's right. People think that when devil is in your, the devil's in your life, that the devil just brings on bad things. No, I'm saying the devil can bring on good things too. Yes, he can. I know it was a time when I had a chance to take this job, and the Lord says, no, nah, I don't want you to take that job. And I didn't want it anyway because I knew it was going to take me away from the things of God. If I would have took that job for the money, it wouldn't have worked out right. It would have looked like a blessing because mm -hmm. you got more money, more status, and all that, but it wouldn't have been a blessing. Right. So we have to realize that, man, he's saying whoever realizes, how am I going to be greater than John the Baptist? He's the greatest man that was ever born. It's because if I realize that I am the least in the kingdom, I have gathered myself and I totally understand grace. Yes. Giving me what I don't deserve. 
I totally get it. I totally, see, if I'm least in the kingdom, I'm greater than John the Baptist because I, I'm not, I realize I'm not greater than anybody. I'm only here because of what God has done and the kingdom of heaven provides for me, keeps me, takes care of my family. Hallelujah, somebody. Yes. So he says, whoever least will be greater than John. Yes. And the people had to be standing there looking at him like, you just said he was. I see next verse. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and the violent people have been raiding it. It says that the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence. Auntie, uncle, Steph, you guys were there. I had a ministry called Violent Faith. Mm -hmm. It was a powerful youth ministry. It really was. And it swept across Detroit. It really did. And, and, and I remember how we got the name. I had just spoke at some church, and then somebody came up after that and says, man, you guys' faith is like violent. You guys got a violent faith. And I'm like, that's catchy. <laughs> that's the name of our ministry. So we took it back and we set it up, and the name of our ministry was Violent Faith because we attacked things very violently. All right. There was no, we weren't ashamed. Man, these kids were on fire for God. We, I mean, we really attacked. We like attacked. It's the violent, it's suffer, the kingdom suffering violence, but the violent ones in the kingdom, we, we, we go back against it. Yes. All right. But then I thought about it. I went, it works two ways, though. When Jesus said that, I think he was playing both sides of the, of the coin. He was saying the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, meaning... When, when I come upon someone's life, I come upon violently. I should change everything in your world. All right. When I come upon your life, I, my glory splashes on your life. Everything should change. It's a violent, it's a violent, it's a violent contact. Not, not physically like we think, but think about it. The presence of Jesus just comes in your life and your whole life is different. Yes. It, it comes upon you. It doesn't ask you. It violently expel, expects it from you, especially when you get the revelation of who God is. All right. But then on the other hand, he's saying it also has suffered violence because I've suffered, I've suffered the violence of death for you. Yes. I left the, the, the right hand of the Father. I, I was there at the beginning. I left my deity, came down here to suffer this violence, and I did it for you. And all I want you to do is suffer the violence of the world. All right. I have suffered the violence of death. I want you to suffer the violence in life. Meaning, people are not going to like you all the time. Meaning, people are going to down Christianity. Meaning, people, some people are going to scientifically try to take it away. Yes. That the kingdom suffers violence. Right. And, and, and we have to withstand that violence. All right. I think it's a two-way. He was saying, yeah, the violent ones in the kingdom, we, we come back and we push back against the adversary. And he was saying that, you know what, we did it, it suffers violent and we have to endure it. Amen. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That makes sense? Yes. Until next verse. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He's saying that John is like Elijah. He, he's actually explaining why John is offended. You don't see it there, but I see it. He's saying that, see, John is like Elijah. They believe 
that the judgment and the penalty from God comes first, and then the people are blessed. John the Baptist is saying, I'm in prison. You're getting ready to die. We're losing. We're losing. Elijah spoke and he says that the, he spoke about God bringing his judgment upon the people and then he blesses the people. That's how Old Testament thought went, that the judgment comes first, then the blessing comes. Jesus comes along and says, no, I'm doing it a whole different way. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm not, I, it's like, John, I can't bring the judge. I know you feel like we're losing because you're in jail. I know you feel like we're not winning because it's not going the way you planned it to go. I know you, you feel like we're, we're, we're getting ready to fail because you got enemies and they put you in prison. But he's saying, I'm not, if I bought judgment, John, I'm going to even lose you. If I bring the judgment of God on the earth, everyone's doomed. I have to bring it another way. I have to come. I have to come bringing freedom. Come bringing blessings. Come to those who believe me. And then the, then the judgment will come. I got to reverse it, John, because if I bring down the judgment now, everybody's done. Amen. You're offended, John, because you think we're losing. Because you thought when I came, it would be an uprising. This is really good Bible, really. Yeah. You, you thought when I came that we were going to overthrow Rome and I was going to put this crown on my head and then all the people who are serving me will be up in status and they will be the ones on top and everyone else will be on the bottom. I didn't come that way. I come bringing grace and mercy and peace and joy. And John, you're offended because you don't like that because you're in prison. You want it violently taken back. Mm-hmm. Yes. Auntie, come on. Whoever has ears, let them hear. He said, now whoever wants to hear, listen. I'm not making you. Imagine hearing the words of Jesus and walking away with doubt. And we go, man, I don't understand how they did it. We do it all the time. All the time. <laughs> I heard someone say, man, I don't, I, I, people in hell, I, 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 he says, I, I, they're going to be wanting to come to heaven, wanting to come to heaven and I heard this other guy say, no, the people in hell are going to make excuses for why they're not there. They're not going to want to come. They still don't believe. They're not going to believe even in hell. Amen. Think about the children of Israel who, who they come out of Egypt. Egypt gives them gold and all the money they want. They come across. They come to a, the sea. He parts the sea. They go across the sea. And what did they do on the other side of the sea? Made a golden cow. See we, see, we want to say, man, if I just get evidence, I'll believe in Jesus. And I go, no, you won't. Amen. It don't matter what kind of evidence you get. You're not going to believe. There's something that overrides uh, uh, your belief. There's, there's an unbelief, but there's something else that just has you reject truth. I'm going to show you in a minute. Auntie, next verse. To what can I compare this generation? And then Jesus goes, you know what? Let me tell you what this generation are like. They're childish. Jesus had no problem with children. Children love Jesus. In fact, he says you have to come to Christ like a child. He wasn't saying that children are bad. He's saying that these people, that this generation, they're childish. Mm -hmm. Let me show you why. Come on. 
They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. Uh -huh. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. Yep. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. What he's saying is he was sitting in the market. People would come to the marketplace to buy it. It's like going to the grocery store, but they but when you went, all the kids would gather and play like in, like at a daycare or something. And he says what they would play, they had two games that they would mostly play. Because in those towns, there were two big deals. There were weddings and funerals. Mm -hmm. I kind of think they're similar, but that's my own personal thought. <laughs> they had weddings and funerals. Weddings would last like a week. It would be a week-long party, a celebration, and they would play joyous music, and everyone would jam dance. But then children, they don't know the difference. They were going to... You ever seen children at funerals? What do they do? They still play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They still run around and get yelled at. And, <laughs> and, and it's like, it's another game they would play is weddings. They would, they would sing sad songs and people would, act, they would be upset and they would cry. And Jesus, the children would see this and they would make that their games of the day. They didn't have football and soccer and baseball. That would be their games. And Jesus says, man, the kids that are in charge goes, man, I, I, let's play the wedding game. And then the kids go, I don't want to play the wedding game. And then they go, well, let's play the funeral game. And then the other kids go, I don't want to play the funeral game. <laughs> now, me being surrounded by kids all the time and eavesdropping on kids' conversations, hey, you want to play this game? No, nah, I don't want to play that. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's play this. I don't want to play that. Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying that's the generation that we live in. I'm going to show you what he means in a second. He says, man, you, we, we play the upbeat game you don't want to do. We play the, 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 the wedding game you don't want to play. We play the funeral game you don't want to play. Next verse. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has demon. Uh -huh. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a he glutton says, and a drunkard. He says, listen, John comes, and he came very seriously telling you to repent telling you to change the way you think and all that. And everyone went, that's too hard. I don't want to play that game. <laughs> Jesus says, I come the opposite. I come going to the parties. Next verse, Auntie. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, here's a glutton and a I drunkard. come to your party. I hang out at your house. I'm friendly. I, John Baptist was out in the wilderness. I was in your neighborhood. And, he's, and then he says, man, you call him crazy. You calling me a drunkard, a friend of sinners. <laughs> You're like the kids in the market. You know why they really don't want to play the game? Because they weren't in charge. Uh -huh, right. You know why kids really struggle with that? Yeah, hey, I want to play this. I don't want to play this. You know why they don't want to play it? Because it wasn't their idea. Right. <laughs> it's not what they want to do. They're not in charge, so they just automatically. <sighs> Help me, Lord, explain this. You ever seen a kid at their birthday party with a bunch of kids there, and unfortunately, adults have to come too? <laughs> and you got all these people there, and then the kid gets in a funk all of a sudden, goes running in the house, running their room, and they sit on their bed, and they're mad. And then the parent goes in and goes, what is wrong with you? It's your party. I don't want no party. I don't like the cake, and I don't like the gifts they got me. And you're going, why are you denying the thing that you, we both know you want the most? You know what it really is? 
Something didn't go the way they wanted it to go. Uh-huh. Jesus is saying, that's this generation. You just want it to be your way. Mm-hmm. It's not your ideal. The, the thought of me is offensive to you. Because I'm saying that when you come to me, I'm your everything, and you don't like it. Wow. You're like children on the playground that it, I don't want to play that game because it's not the game I want to play. I didn't come up with it. You're in charge and I'm not. That's why kids don't want to play. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with one was happy and one was sad. Or I'm not, I'm not sad today. I want to be happy. Well, I'm not happy today. I want to be sad. No, it wasn't that. That wasn't the real reason. The real reason these kids had problems on the playground is because they weren't in charge. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, you guys act just like that. John comes one way, you say, oh, that's too hard. I come another way, and you say, that's too easy. Amen. Think about it. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist says, repent, give your life to God, change everything. And people go, no, that's way too hard for me. Come, I mean, that's a lot. You're trying to tell me that if I got to do everything, Jesus, that my life is no longer mine. See, I'm middle class. I make my own way. And then Jesus comes a different way and goes, you know what? You're saved by grace. All you got to do is trust and believe and just remember what I did for you and receive that. And we go, no, nah, that's too easy. Uh-huh. I really should be teaching Bible somewhere. I'll hold that thought. We go, that's too easy. You're trying to tell me that somebody who robbed people, broken houses and all that, on their deathbed, they can say they believe in Jesus and they're saved? Yeah. That's too easy. One way is too hard, the other way is too easy. Jesus said, you like the kids on the playground. It's just really not your idea, that's all. Amen. And that's why you're mad. That's why you're offended. Mm-hmm. Yes. I keep moving on, I got 19 minutes. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Okay. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most Jesus of the is really on a roll now. See, John really stirred Jesus up. So now Jesus goes, oh, and let me tell you about the, the suburbs. Come on. Because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. He says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. He, this is what he's saying. I went out to Birmingham. I went out to, to, to St. Clair Shores. I went out to Emily City. I went out to K-Pack. I went out to Flint. And the people came to see me. They came. They actually liked me. They bought a bunch of people. It wasn't, you, see, the way Jesus is saying that, if you don't know the history of what happened in these, in these towns, they actually came in groves to see Jesus. Uh-huh. He had massive crowds in areas that it wasn't a lot of people. Everybody came to see him. Mm-hmm. Everybody enjoyed his presence. They even said, and Corson, they said, he's a great, he's a great teacher. So Jesus goes, woe unto you. Woe. Why? Auntie, come on. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, he says, listen, they would have repented. He says, listen. He says, if the miracles that they saw would have been done in Tyre, Tyre and Sidon were big cities. So that's like saying, that's comparing Detroit to Elmont. 
He's speaking, he's, he's talking about class again. In Tyre and Sidon, they're big cities and they rejected Jesus. They reject the teachings of Jesus. But Jesus is saying that they're in better shape than you are. If they would have saw the miracles, they would have saw the evidence, they would have repented because they've heard about me, but they just rejected it. It was too much. Yeah. You guys came and said you love me, but you never repented. You never really gave me your life. You just enjoyed the show that I put on. Wow. Wow. He's saying that these inner cities are better off than you because they hate me, but you act like you. See, what Jesus is saying is, I hate middle of the road people. Yes, yes. I hate people who are lukewarm, yeah. either be hot or cold. If you're cold, I can take that. But if, if you flirt with me, if you tease like you love me, it, it, Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's what he said. That's how much Jesus hates it. He's like, I'd rather you hate me than to act like you love me, but you don't because you don't love me because you don't repent. He says, that's the suburbs. All right. See, because the suburbs, they're self-made. They've gotten breaks in life. They can afford better houses. They drive better cars. And they come to me, they come to churches as examples. They need me to be an example or to help them have a better life than they already have. I'm not their everything. Jesus. He goes, people who are, who are middle class and they're doing pretty good, I'm not their everything. I'm a great example. I'm here to aid them in life in case of trouble, break glass, get me out. But I'm not everything. These people in the cities who are struggling in so much crime and hatred, when they get it, they really get it, and I become their everything. Yes. He's saying these people are better off because all of you people came and saw the miracles. They haven't saw the miracles. If they would have saw the miracles, they would have repented because they heard the word and didn't accept it, but they didn't have the miracles like you had. Mm -hmm. I've given you the word and I've healed so many of your sick. You brought people to me who had problems. I healed them all and you guys loved the show, but you, you forgot something. Amen. You forgot to love me. You forgot to make me everything. Yes. You're middle of the road. You get on my nerves. You love me. You don't love me. Churches and the suburbs are packed with people with nice clothes and everybody's driving nice cars. Do you love me? Am I everything? Are you self-made? Right. Hmm. The poor get it. Yes. Auntie, come on. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for I'm you. I'm telling you, Tyre and Sidon, Detroit, because a lot of you have bad thoughts about Detroit. Detroit is better off. Like Flint is better off. Oh, I know this is hard. Don't be mad at me. They're better off. Because your neighbors, they're self-made. They have no need for me because most people come to me just because they want me to give them a great life. They got a great life. Here's the thing, though. Satan will give you a great life, too. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. If it takes you away from God, he'll do it. 
He's got no problem. He's got no problem blessing you. None. It, it, his goal is to get you away from God. If blessing you gets you away from God, let me tell you something. He'd probably do it. Yes, he will. I'm not saying your, your, your money and your education and all that is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying everything is bad when you put it over God. I'm just... So he's saying that the poor get it. The poor understand that, no, you need breaks down here. People that are well-to-do and self-made, they go, no, I figured it out. So Jesus, just be an example. Just give me your teachings. I don't need all the blessings and all that crap. I know, I know, I know it's tough. Should I go out here and preach? <laughs> I told you it's hard to read like me. Amen. I'm letting you into my crazy mind. <laughs> Come on. And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. He says in Capernaum, oh my goodness, you're going to be lifted. Will you go to heaven? Nope, you're going to go down to Hades. For if miracles that were performed in you have been performed in Sodom, mm. Sodom will still be a city today. You know what happened to Sodom, right? Mm. It got turned to ash. He says, man, if they would have saw miracles in Sodom, they would have repented. Jesus is saying, you saw all the miracles, and you just came to church, got entertained, but you forgot something. You forgot to give me your life. Yes. So I got pastors around the country going, man, we dropped down. We were 1,100, now we're 8. Hey, we had 700, now we're 3. We had 550, now we're down to like 320. I'm like, how you keep count? You got a clicker at the door? You got a turnstile? <laughs> I don't get how they know that. I don't, but anyway, and, and one guy says, well, we count rows. Okay, I don't understand how you do that. But it's like, okay, well, maybe you just burnt, maybe, maybe the virus burnt off all of them. Yes, yes. You got to be careful getting so busy in life where everything else is more important. Amen. I don't keep you in church. You hear churches like, we got prayer on Monday, we got Bible study on Wednesday, we got uh, fasting and prayer on Thursday. We got, and I'm like, man, my people don't do that. Sunday is the day that we gather. Yeah. You know what I realized? I've never seen all of you here at one time. Right. I don't even know what it looks like. Someone says, how many people you got? Honestly, I don't know. I never see them all. Amen. I've never looked and seen everyone here. Everybody's always got stuff to do with stuff. And I'm going, I'm not saying it's bad. But I'm saying all the time. Right. See, some of us are well-to-do. We're, we're, we're self-made. Auntie, at House of God, who missed church? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. At House of God, who missed church? Nobody. Stephanie, at House of God, who missed church? Nobody. Everyone was there. You know why? Most of them were poor. We didn't have a lot. If somebody got blessed with a new car, it was an event. Yeah. Oh, you got a new car? Celebration. <laughs> Hey, everybody, Sister Johnson got a new car. Yeah. And I'm thinking, we celebrate new cars. Yes. <laughs> yes, because uh, she ain't had no money. 
And God, some kind of way, blessed her, and she got a new car. And we're like, wow, she got a new car. Sister Johnson just barely making it, but God gave her a new car. See, in the suburbs, you don't hear that. Mm -hmm. We pull up with new cars like it's nothing. We need the teachings of Jesus because it helps me get a better life. But the dependence of Jesus isn't really there. I can tell by attendance. So Sodom would have been better than Capernaum, and, and you guys all came out to see me. You guys all showed up. I healed your sick. I blessed your children. I fixed your problems. But you never repented. You never let me be your everything. You just took my toys, and you left. I'm like a genie in the bottle to you. I'm like Santa Claus to you. Auntie. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on that day of judgment than for you. Okay, Jesus, but you burnt that to the ground. And you try to tell me, this is how, Jesus is saying, this is how serious I don't like middle of the road people. I don't, people. I don't like people who love me Sunday but don't like me Monday. I don't like people who serve me for a week and then the next week I don't see them. I don't like people like that. They're, they're middle of the road and I'm telling you. I'm going to do something about it. And I'm recording it all. Yes, he is. Better than Sodom, you burnt Sodom to the ground. Yeah, they got a better chance than these people who are middle of the road, who've seen all the miracles, who heard all my teaching, but didn't give me their life. Auntie. Go on. Go on. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you're hitting these things from the wise and the learned, and you revealed these things to not childish people, but children Little who children. are in their mind are so dependent on you like a child would. Amen. You know, children, they don't. Let me tell you something about kids. I'm talking behind their back because they're all downstairs. They don't give a crap. They just be like, stuff just shows up. <laughs> they, they actually are like, you can take a child to do something great, and then they'll ask you, what are we going to do after that? Right, right. You know, we go to movies. We're on the way to movies. Hey, Dad, what are we doing when we leave the movies? <laughs> you can take a child into the store, not intending on buying them anything. And they just grab something expecting you, you're just going to get this. Amen. No, I'm not buying that. Well, how about some candy? They got to get something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, you got to, I'm privileged. Everybody say man. Amen. Come on. Amen. You know, that's how they do you. And you'll be like, wow, when I was a kid, my mother gave me the speech. <laughs> we go in the store. Don't touch nothing. Don't ask for nothing. In fact, don't even look at nothing. <laughs> and you know what we did? We didn't touch nothing. We didn't ask for nothing. We didn't look at nothing. <laughs> These kids now, see, here's the problem. We want them to have a better life. Yeah. But how do we instill the principles that we had in them while we're trying to give them a better life? That's yeah. your challenge. Absolutely. Amen. You want them to get the principles that you have. Kids don't, 
They don't respect anything. They don't take care of nothing. Dude, look at your shoes. What? Were you running through the mud? I just bought those. Those are Nikes, dude. When I was a kid, if I got a pair, you better keep them. Chuck Taylors were the thing when I was a kid. And man, if you got some that were red or orange, you were, you were something, man. And it's like, man, I would go home and shine them suckers up because I ain't going to get no more. These kids now would tear them up and go, hey, I messed these up. Oh, wow. Anyway, I'll have new ones tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's how they think. Mm-hmm. We've created little monsters. Amen. So Jesus goes, you've hidden the things from the, from the wise and the suburbanites who live a well-to-do life, and you've, you've given that people to, who realize that I'm, no, I'm a child, and normal children are so dependent that they don't even care where it comes from. They don't even care if you got a job or not. They don't care how much money you got coming in. They just know they're going to be blessed. Amen. He says, those people get it. Yes. They might not fully understand it, but what they do understand, they base their whole life on it. You've hidden this stuff from the people who are self-made. And you're giving it to the people who are coming to you like children. Not throwing a hissy fit in the room at the party, but who just know that my father got it. Next verse, Auntie, almost done. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son. Let's switch that. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. You have a right to do it. It's not our rules, it's your right. Your rules. Next verse. All things have been... Oh, hold on, I want this to change. Okay. Verse 27. Yes, Father. I think I'm going to slap you. Okay. <laughs> 27. We, I all, have, I all things have been committed, committed to, to me by the right, Father. There we go, there we go. I no have, one knows the son except the father, auntie, and no one knows the father except the son. And you know what? And those whom the son chooses to tell, that is so offensive. Think about it. You don't know anything about God and you hear that. Imagine you stand up one day in, in, a, in, in a neighborhood with a crowd of people and you go, listen, Jesus is the only way to God. You know how many people you're going to offend? A lot. Because people don't believe that. They believe there's multiple ways. How, Jesus, you had the audacity to tell me that you're the only way. Mm-hmm. No, if I act pretty good, and if the police don't knock on my door, and if I send my kids to college, and if I live a good life, you telling me that I'm not good enough. Jesus is going, yes. Yes. Your self-made butt is not good enough. You sending your kid to college is a great thing because you know what? It makes you feel like you've accomplished life and you've given your children the best chance that they have and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. But you have to understand something. That will never fix your sin problem. Never Amen. fix it. Amen. So if you are well-to-do and the world says you're fine, that don't mean I say, I'm saying you're fine. Yes, yes. And if you don't fix this, he says, I'm the only way. It's so offensive to a lot of people. And people go, wow, that can't be the only way. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not that bad. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do that God Jesus thing. I know if he, if he is God, there's no way he will send a person like me to hell. I don't cheat on my wife. I don't steal money. I go to work every day. See, that's a suburban thought of thinking. That's how we think in the suburbs, man. Yes. Where the poor go, man, I can't make it without you. The poor go, I don't know how we're going to eat tomorrow. Yes, yes. That's why, that's why God is thriving in more third world countries than he is America right now. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because they're like, if you don't come through, I'm dead. We go, well, if you don't come through, I'll go to the doctor. It makes your underwear tight. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got 52 seconds. Is that the last one? No, one more. Well, come on, one more. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, listen, I know you're tired of trying. Come to me. Know who he wants to come? All of you who are tired of proving yourself. Got to prove yourself to your friends. Got to prove yourself to your parents. Got to prove yourself to your children. Got to prove yourself to your spouse. Got to prove. He says, oh, if you're tired of proving yourself, Amen. come to me. Mm. I give you rest from all that burden that you have. Yes. If you're tired of not living up religiously, mm -hmm. and you're tired of all the rules and regulations that religion has put on you, come to me. <laughs> come on. Come to me because my yoke is easy. Yes. He's saying something here. I'm out of time. You got a couple more minutes? He's saying, listen, I know you guys are tired of your burden. He says, I will give you rest. The burden that he's talking about is he said, and John says, the burden, the burden that the, the Pharisaical leaders put on you to live a certain way. Yes. You have to eat a certain thing, dress a certain way, be a servant. Jesus said they put that yoke upon you that is way too hard and it's not fair. Because the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, now take that yoke off and put, I got a yoke. You got to carry the yoke. You know what a yoke does? It latches you to something else. Yeah. A yoke latches you to something or someone else. Yes. You had one bull here, one bull there, and the yoke lashed them together, and now they work together to deal with whatever they were dealing with. Yes. Jesus said, take the yoke of denominational thought, classism. Yes. Take your suburban thinking off and latch it hold to me, and, and then now we go together. Yes. Take, put my yoke on. Take that one off. Everybody's got a yoke, and everybody's burdened by something. Yes, yes. Some of you had to prove to your parents. Some of you had to prove to your husband. Some of you had to prove to your wife. Some of you had to prove to your children. Some of you, that's why a lot of things we do in life, trying to better ourselves to get really more money, that's what we really think better ourselves are, is to try to prove something. Yeah. You ever seen parents got their kids in all the sports? Yeah. It's like, no, what that's saying, that's saying something about me. I'm a great parent. Look at what my child is doing. It ain't really about the kid. What if your kid, what if your kid is a computer geek? Right. Amen. But you making them play. Man, when I was coaching, you man, you'd be looking out on the field. I'd be like, what is little Carter out there? He's chasing butterflies in center field. 
hey, Jimmy, stop kicking ants on second base. <laughs> you can tell the kids who they made them go. Yeah. That's not their thing. But you know why they're out there? Because the parent feels better. Yes. I got my kids in dance. I got my kids in baseball. I got my kids. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong if your kids want to play. But if they don't want to play, it's like you got to do something or I'm not a good parent. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, dude, don't waste my money. Don't waste my time. Do you want to play? No, nah, dad, I don't want to play. Check. Get that off the list. I'm not spending my money or my time for something you don't want to do. Amen. At almost 10 years old, you should know what you want to do. But you can't get him out of pool and you can't get a computer out of his hand. Now, my son looks like a lineman. <laughs> and Julian is rough as tough as nails. But he might not be a football player. Amen. Right. Amen. And I'm okay with it. Amen. Amen. I don't know where that came from. But he goes, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You got to learn now. Yeah. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest in your soul. For your soul. Yes. You, you, can, you can give up trying to be something Amen. for everybody else. You can stop letting the cares of this life drive you crazy and make all your decisions based on those. Yes. You can drop your suburban mentality. I'm not taking away education. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not taking away. I'm not taking away the fact that people have gained their way through life and progressed their families. That's a great thing. But if you don't have the mentality of the poor, you know what happens to the rich when God enters their lives? They become the poor. And they begin to say, I'm no different than the poor. Because you know, a lot of most people who are doing okay, you know, they kind of look at the poor and they feel bad and, they, and sometimes they even wish they could help. But you know, deep down in their psyche, you know what we say? We're a little better. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We might send money to help, we might pray, we might feel bad. But deep down inside, you feel like you're a little better. But when you're rich and Jesus really splashes upon your life, you know what you feel like? You feel like, I'm no better. No better. Amen. Yeah, but you're rich and you got all this, but I'm no better. No better. Then you love the right way. Then you become the aid that God wants you to be. Amen. He didn't bless you just so you can be blessed and you keep buying more stuff. Yeah. Find out why he blessed you so much. It's something inside of you that he trusts. I go, God, if you gave me 18 million, I don't know where 18 came from. What would I do? I know what most of us would do. And <laughs> you know what most of us would do. <laughs> but you know what the first thing I would do, seriously? I would go, Lord, why'd you give me this? Amen. That's something you want me to do. So help me drop my suburban thinking of more money, more things, more money, 
better life. I was talking to somebody whose husband just got a really good job. And then she was going, well, I'm thinking maybe we can move to like Birmingham. Why would you do that? You got a nice house now. You live in a good area now. Why would you take on that and then go create more? So now you become a slave because now you got more money. So now you're spending more money. Now you got to keep making that amount of money. Be careful. Be careful. Be smart. Be least and poor. Yes. Father, I give you glory and praise. Come on. And I thank you and praise you, Lord, for... Lord, I pray that I'm not offensive, but deep down I don't care because I'm really trying to help. Lord, I pray that your word will, 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 will seep into our hearts and our minds and our spirits. I pray, oh God, that that we can trust you and that you can trust us with the truth. And I pray that he that has an ear, let them hear. Everyone else, let them get an ear. Because if they don't hear, Lord, they will struggle. Lord, you have blessed us. You have kept us. You, are, you have given us things. You have taken us places. You've done so many wonderful things in our lives, Lord, and we thank you and praise you for that. But Lord, we all, let us always remember it was a break from you. It was a blessing from you. Yes, I know people out here, they make their own way. But, Lord, we don't know what's going on in their world, what's going on in their houses. I know people are blessed and they seem like they make their own way. But, Lord, we don't know. You know what? Satan doesn't bother people he already has. So, Lord, let us not look around and be weary and well-doing. Let us not get tired of doing the right things. Let us not get tired of going to church. Let us not get tired of hearing the songs. Let us not get tired of hearing the messages. I know it's summertime, Lord, and we only got so much summer, and it's so much to do in a short matter of time. But, Lord, I pray that you will always remain first in our lives. You will always be the first thing we think about and the last thing we think about when we go to sleep. I pray that your glory will always splash upon us and remind us who we are, remind us who you are to us. Pray, Lord, no matter how much you bless them, they realize that you are the one who's given the doors that opened up for them. You are the one that's given them the financial situation to be what they are, live where they are. You are the one who's, who's cracked the sky and decided to bless in certain ways. You are the one that provides for us. You are the one that keeps us healthy. You are the one that provides food for us. Even though we get checks every week, you are the one who provides it. Let us never forget the word says that it was God who gave you power to get wealth. So Lord, in Jesus' name, let these people be reminded constantly that they are your children and you are the Father in heaven. And if we can get that communication together, if we can get that understanding together, we got a chance. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Come on, let's do.